Well, we are continuing on in our study through the Gospel of John, and today we find ourselves at John chapter 18. But before we pick up our study there today, I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel is in the Old Testament. It's between 1 Samuel and 1 Kings. 2 Samuel chapter 15. And just to set the scene here, there was a man named Absalom. And Absalom was a son of King David. David had another son, of course, named Solomon, who was going to be heir to the throne of David. And Absalom wanted this position. So he began a revolt against his father, David, and attempted to overthrow him. Now, as you can imagine, this obviously broke David's heart and caused a great amount of chaos during his role as king. Now, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 23, so just go ahead and follow along with me. Uh, And as you may or may not know, I, I read from the New King James Version of the Bible. So if you're using a different version, it may read a little differently here, but uh, let's go ahead and start in verse 1. After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise up early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision, that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such such and such tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, then I would give him justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. So you see, Absalom was a snake in the grass. He was rotten to the core, and he sweet-talked a lot of people into coming into his camp. Okay, Then, verse 7, Now it came to pass, after forty years, that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while I dwelt at Geshur, In Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. And now we'll see that that was just a big lie of Absalom that he just told to his father David, the king. Because in verse 10 it says, Then Absalom 
uh, sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. So there's the real reason that he was going to Hebron. His plan of overthrowing his father David was beginning to unfold. Verse 11, And with Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city of Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew strong, for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. Now a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring disaster upon us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out with all his household after him. But the king left ten women concubines to keep the house. And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. So you see a picture here of David still caring for and leading the people to safety. Verse 18, then all his servants passed before him and all the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. Then the king said to Ittai, or Ittai, the Gittite, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner. And and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today, since I go I know not where? Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. So this guy, Ite, had no reason to follow David. He could have stayed right where he was and had been safe and sound under the rule of Absalom. But the neat thing here is that the name Ite means with me. That's what his name means, with me. Verse 21, And Ite answered the king and said, As the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. So David said to Ite. Go and cross over. Then Ite, the Gittite, and all his men, and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. And all the country wept with a loud voice. And all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron. And all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. So here we see David is being betrayed. And he flees from Jerusalem, leading all those that wanted to follow him to safety. And here we see that they are crossing over the brook Kidron. Now, go ahead and keep all of that in mind. 
and go ahead and turn up in your Bibles about 900 years to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Verse 1 says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So like I mentioned, 900 years after David was betrayed by his son and led his people over the brook Kidron to safety, Jesus, God in the flesh, has been betrayed by one of his children and crosses over the same brook, about to go to the cross to lead his followers to salvation. David had Ite with him, as, De, as that's what Ite's name means, with him. And Ite told David that whether in death or life, he would be there with him. And Jesus, back in John chapter 8, verse 29, said that he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. But now, here's Jesus in the garden with the men that were loyal to him. And verse 3 says, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Now that word detachment there in verse 3 uh, is, the, is a Greek word, asperia. Uh, and it speaks of a, a group of soldiers that uh, numbered somewhere around 600 plus men. So 600 soldiers here, plus the officers and the chief priests and the Pharisees, with lanterns and torches and weapons, all come out to confront Jesus and 11 of his followers. Why they send so many? Well, it could be that they knew the power that Jesus had. And you know, when most often, or you know, most often, excuse me, when Satan is, is doing his dirty work, he comes with full force. But what they did not understand was that the, the real reason that Jesus came. And they didn't understand his true character. He wasn't going to fight them. Let's look at some scriptures that speak of the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 11. And uh, let's look down at verse 28. We'll start reading there. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there we get a picture of what Jesus was like. This was his character, gentle and very humble. Now turn to uh, chapter 12 of the book of Matthew here. Matthew chapter 12. And um, let's start reading in verse 10. It says, And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. But Jesus knew it, and he withdrew from there. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory. And in his name, Gentiles will trust. So you see, there's more about the character of Jesus. He was not loud and obnoxious, drawing attention to himself. He was not ready for a fight. He was the truest example of a gentleman. But turning back now to John chapter 18, 600 plus men come after him, ready to take the Lamb of God by force and lead him to be slaughtered. But all the way up to the end, Jesus took care of his people. And in uh, verse 4, we see that it says, Jesus therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? So like King David went out before his people, to be sure that they would all be safe and cross over. Jesus here steps up in front of the disciples to confront this mob. Verse 5 says, They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, when Jesus says here in verse 6, I am he, the word he should be italicized in your Bible. 
You see, certain words were added when translating the scriptures uh, in an attempt to add more emphasis. Um, the good thing is, is that they italicized those words so you know which words they were. But when Jesus spoke this, he actually said, I am, in which he is making a direct claim to being God. If you remember the story, God spoke to Moses in Exodus uh, through a burning bush, right? God was calling Moses to go speak to Pharaoh in regards to setting the, the children of Israel free from slavery. Moses asked God whom he should say had sent him before he goes to Pharaoh. And God answered and said, I am that I am. Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, we've seen and we've talked about the deity of Christ a bunch of times in our study of the Gospel of John, so we won't discuss that further at this time. But here in John chapter 18, when Jesus proclaims um, that he is who they are looking for, he speaks as God to them and they fall back at the mention of his name. So here they are, 600 plus armed men lying on the ground as a result of Jesus proclaiming to them who he is. You see, this happened back then, and a similar thing is going to happen again. And each one of us here on this earth today, every person that has ever walked on this earth will have this same experience these 600 plus men had. Here's why I say this. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians is to the right of the Gospel of John between Ephesians and Colossians. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. And uh, let's start reading in verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, that's the experience that every person will have. Everyone will stand face to face with Jesus Christ. And we will fall to our knees in the presence of his majesty. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he is God Almighty. And flipping back now to John chapter 18. This was an awesome moment in time. They came to arrest God in the flesh, and they trembled and fell down in his presence. Then in verse 7, it says, Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I love that verse because you really got to get a mental picture here. They're all laid out on the ground. And he asked them again, who is it that you're seeking? And they answered again, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says in verse 8, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. Now, before I comment on verse 8 there, um, I just want to touch on that again, how this mob of men all fall to the ground at the response of Jesus telling them who he is. And do you know at this point, uh, he could have told them to stay down there, stay where you are. And Jesus could have told his disciples, go ahead and, and gather up all their weapons. Take their torches and take their lanterns from them. Take everything from them. He could have done that, right? Jesus was in complete control here. They were not going to do anything to him that he did not permit. As God in the flesh, he humbled himself and he allowed the created to have power over their creator. Think about that. As God in the flesh, Jesus humbled himself and he allowed the created to have power over their creator. Because this is the reason that Jesus came. He came to die. He came to go to the cross for the sin of the world. But he's in complete control. But here in verse 8, Jesus again is caring for his disciples and he wants to make sure that they are safe. Verse 9 says that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. You know, how many times in your life have you seen or heard the words, Jesus loves you? But do you understand the depths of his love for you? You understand that when you have opened the door of your heart 
and gave Jesus full reign, that he will never leave you? By his Holy Spirit, he will guard your heart and keep you safe in his arms. But oftentimes when trouble comes our way, rather than trust in him, rather than rest in him, we want to take matters into our own hands, don't we? And that's exactly what takes place here in verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put away your sword into the sheath, or put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? So we see here that everything is going just as planned for Jesus. Like I said, he came to die for the sin of the world, and it's all being played out. The arrest of Jesus was all a part of the plan. But why didn't Peter see this? Why did Peter react in the way that he did here? He's been around Jesus for three years. He's heard a lot from Jesus. He's seen the character and the nature of Jesus. Why did he step forth and do this? Well, let's take another look at a different account of the the story, another person's account. Turn to, to Matthew chapter 26. Again, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. to the left of where we are now. Matthew chapter 26. And what we're going to see here is uh, the same story, just told from Matthew's point of view. In the Gospel of John, we, we saw that Jesus and his disciples crossed over the brook Kidron, and they're in the garden. And the name of that garden was Gethsemane. And looking down now at verse 36 of Matthew chapter 26, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So here we see that Though Jesus is 100% God, for our sakes, he was 100% man. And emotional pain and suffering, he was going through it here. He was deeply distressed, it says, and exceedingly sorrowful. And all of this was over the fact that what he was soon about to go through do you think that Jesus doesn't understand your emotional pain? 
Do, do you think that he can't relate to what you've gone through in your life or maybe what you are currently going through or maybe what you will go through? Rest assured, Jesus knows all. He sees all and he will be with you through it all. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So maybe this is why Peter reacted with the sword. Maybe this is why he reacted the way he did and cut off Malchus's ear. Instead of watching and praying during the most difficult hour of Jesus's earthly life, Peter and the other disciples were sleeping. But didn't Peter profess back in John chapter 13 that he would lay down his life for the Lord's sake? But yet, here's his closest friend, Jesus. He's in emotional agony. And Peter is catching up on some sleep. He was sound asleep. But you know, without watching and praying, you and I will never have the wisdom we need to handle a difficult situation. Without prayer, we are more apt to take matters into our own hands. But Jesus gives us another sound bit of truth here in verse 41, when he says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, living this life takes a lot of diligence. Living this life by faith takes a lot of diligence. We can't do it on our own. Peter failed Jesus here. And we will soon see in our studies that he will fail Jesus again. But Jesus stood in this garden of Gethsemane and kept his disciples safe, irregardless of how unfaithful they were to him. That's the love of Jesus for us. Verse 42 says, uh, again, a second time, he went away and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, 
Behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, sees him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus called Judas friend, even while he was betraying him. There is no greater love than the agape love of Jesus Christ, the unconditional love. You and me in this flesh of ours cannot comprehend that kind of love. And we talked about that in detail last week. But this was Jesus. This was his way. Our Savior and our Lord. But like I said, Peter was not prepared for this moment because he was sleeping when he should have been watching. And praying. And I encourage you this week to take some time to meditate on how that relates in your own life. Jesus desires to lead you safely through this life, but you must be willing to walk with Him. He will give you the strength you need for any and all situations, but if you'd rather sleep, well, he'll come and wake you up and he'll shake you periodically, but he will never force you to walk with him through this life. We'll stop here for today and we'll pick up our study again next week, but let's close in prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for those that listen to this teaching uh, now and, and into the future. Lord, I pray that uh, your word will, will minister to them, that they will come to understand that you love them, that you love them deeply, and that you have a, a purpose and a plan for, for their lives, Lord, and that they can know you, Lord Jesus, that they do not need to, to look to man, they do not, do not need to look to religion, that they can just fix their eyes on you. For you, Lord, as your word says, are the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, we thank you that you have not left us comfortless and alone here on this earth, that you have given us your word, that you have given us of your Holy Spirit. And I pray for those that are listening that have never submitted their lives to you, have never surrendered their hearts to you, Lord. I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them, that they would be born again, that they would uh, just completely and absolutely surrender their lives to you. Lord, we look forward to that day when we will see you face to face and we will 
bow down and we will proclaim that you are Lord. And Lord, we thank you again for this time in your word. Bless all those that hear your word this day. And Lord, I pray that we will not just be forgetful hearers of your word, but that we will be doers of your word as you desire us to be. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.